The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. When we heed the call and say yes to live from the truth of our hearts, we accept the invitation to deeply relax, trust, and let go of fear, control, struggle, suffering, and separation. Now, here is your host, Sandy Goldstone. Hello, lovelies. Welcome to this week's episode of Sounds of the Heart. As your host, I am delighted to have your beautiful presence and heart's vibration join with mine. As we listen, share and explore in this hour together, I invite us all to join together as one conscious global heart as we take a deep breath in and relax out with a sound. Ah. To gently ground our being in calm stillness. Meeting ourselves in love, as love, what we always are now. Ah, it's just so wonderful to feel our hearts become part of the one unified field of love through the breath. Thank you for wherever you are joining me across the globe once again today. And we have entitled the show, I Am Compassion, Flying on the Wings of Angels. And I would like to introduce my beautiful guest, Claire Sweeney, who is an author, spiritual healer, metaphysical counsellor, group facilitator, mentor and seeker of divine wisdom. Well known in Perth, Western Australia, for her healing and counselling work, Claire recently spread her wings to Mullumbimby on Australia's east coast, where she spends much of her time as a writer. Metaphysical principles and techniques have been very close to Claire's heart. She has incorporated these principles in her own personal and spiritual development and has used them with clients and in group work. Naturally, as one heals one's own past, development and change is inevitable. Hence, her methods and facilitation have progressed, changed and developed over the years. In recent times, the focus in group work has been to assist others in their understanding of angelic consciousness. Claire's ultimate intention is to teach people how to use the nature of angels to live every day with gratitude and compassion. Welcome, Claire. It's so beautiful to have you as our guest on Sounds of the Heart. Thank you, Sandy, and thank you for inviting me. You're most welcome. I am delighted to have this conversation with you. It's a, it's a topic that is near and dear to my heart. Um, 
I am just astounded and amazed and delighted at all the beautiful ways in which life constantly loves and guides and supports us. And one of the ways in which life has provided that support for us is through messages, through the winged messages, through the guardians of light, referred to as the angelic realms. So could you give us some general guidance from the angelic realms about what's important on a personal and spiritual perspective for 2016 going into 2017? Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, I woke up in the night thinking, now, angels, what are you going to say today? So um, I've been sort of being uh, fed a little bit of information throughout the night and uh, also early this morning. So um, the clear message I feel for today is that They're asking us to always strive to be our best selves. And for Mm -hmm. me, that means, you know, to be honourable, to do things with integrity, to be mindful when we approach anything, you know, how we live our lives, how we speak to people, how we behave at work and so on and so forth. And it's also about, uh, you know, kindness, uh, compassion, all of those wonderful virtues, which I think many, many of us strive to achieve and to, to live by, you know, to set some sort of standard in which we, we want to live our lives. However, I think that we all need support in being able to be our best selves. <clears throat> and I think that can come through um, reaching out for help and assistance, you know, when we are struggling or mm-hmm. we're challenged particularly by sort of emotional um, pain or even the memory of trauma that might come up from our past. You know, it's, it's important that we resolve those issues um, and it's important that I think to uh, strive to become our best selves, we might need support to overcome any of those personal and uh, particularly emotional and also spiritual challenges that, that we all face if we're trying to live, you know, a mindful, um, a, a mindful life. So, so angels have different roles and functions. So who would we call on um, to assist us in cultivating an attitude of heart-centred compassion and being mindful from that place of loving kindness. Yeah, um, I always personally, when I'm, you know, moving through things and I need some support, I personally call on my guardian angels. And um, even if people aren't particularly conscious that they have guardian angels, your guardian angels you know, stand beside you and they're there through thick and thin and it's not always easy to feel consciously connected to them but energetically you will be connected to them and therefore they, you know, they hold that sort of um, that role, if you like, to be called upon when you are in need but to also be called upon to create some kind of friendship with, you know, because they not like nothing better than to be able to really hang out with you mm-hmm. and to um, not, they will never intervene over your life or interfere over your life. I mean, they're not controlling elements in our life but they are, they certainly can be guiding elements and they can through their energetic um, influence you know, through sending healing energy to us, 
And through our states, our dreaming states, they can also impart information and just general guidance so that overall you can begin to develop that feeling that you are absolutely supported by them, you know, and they are watching over you. So what would be something that we could do? We can, because they don't come unless they're invited, how could we create that space within ourselves to be more receptive to feeling vibrationally when they're around? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, I myself, and this is something I teach others, I often feel going out and being in nature is a beautiful way to to firstly find your own centre and to calm and to relax. And through that, um, then you can open the invitation and invite your guardians to come in and for you to be able to, I guess, energetically feel them more consciously. And I feel being in nature can support that. Now, not everybody has nature at their back door. I also understand that. So um, the other way that I, I recommend for people to do is actually to create a prayer you know, a prayer of invitation um, to invoke their presence. And I don't think you have to be religious to create prayer. I think anybody can pray. And so, um, and I myself have a, have a daily prayer, prayer life and I always pray not just for what I need but also I pray for, um, you know, to learn more about appreciation or to um, understand myself a little bit more or for what's going on in my heart a little bit more. So um, prayer can certainly be another way to invite them in so that you can feel them at that more sort of energetic level. Mm -hmm. And to invite them into our space of our dreams, is that another option? So to consciously set that intent as we're going to sleep at night time? Definitely. And I also recommend maybe people get a journal and they write in what is it that they need to know? What is it that they need to support, you know, support with? And if they do that before going to bed and then ask the angels to support them in their dream state, that can be very powerful and it can be very, very healing as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, sometimes you might not wake up with the answer because answers don't always come in that direct way, but you can wake up with a sense of knowing, you know, um, knowing what maybe your decision would be about a problem that you had that, that somehow you know what the right answer is for you. Yes. It can come through that sense of knowing rather than my guardian angel said, yes, I must do this, so to speak. Sometimes I find when I'm walking out in nature along the beach, I just find, you know, beautiful um, feathers. And to me, that's just like a direct, um, you know, a a love response from the angels. It's just, for me, that's a really clear sign. So. Yeah, it is. And sometimes when I'm not even trying all that hard, like doing something like vacuuming or washing the dishes, it's amazing, I think, when you kind of let go, how suddenly some an answer can come in in those times as well. Mm. Mm. Yes, yeah, so tuning into those synchronicities and just kind of really seeing that they're there to train us and, and assist us in learning the ways of the heart and of holding that pure light of um God within us in the most pure and powerful and loving and compassionate um, and generous, grateful way possible. Yes, and I think that they also have such deep respect for us, you know, for everyone on the planet, um, regardless of what we're doing. Um, and and in their respect, they absolutely know and trust completely that we actually know everything. 
Mm. We do within inside ourselves, you know, within the essence of who we are, which is the child, a child of the divine. They know we know everything we really need to know. However, unfortunately, you know, because of the human condition, you know, things have perhaps blocked um, our way to be able to access our kind of innate intuition and our innate knowing of, of the things uh, that we need to, to do to continue to make progress in our lives, to become our best selves. Beautiful. Okay, so thank you for sharing that with us and for knowing that we can always access that that guidance and support and that they're always with us, even though it may not feel like that they are, that we can always um, they are always lovingly guiding us. So Claire, um, I'm very aware that you have written this beautiful book called Afterlife, A Soul's Journey of Life, Death and Beyond. And it's just recently been released and I've had the, the joyous delight to read it. Um, can you share with us as to how and why you are inspired to write your deeply moving and profoundly comforting and beautiful book? Oh, thank you, Sandy. Um, that's lovely feedback. Um, well, this is a very interesting book in that it is actually the story of my now deceased husband's journey from when he was diagnosed with cancer until his uh, death and then onward his journey in the afterlife. And so because I'm able to channel information from spirit, I was able to um, accept and channel the information that he wanted to pass on and to share, um, you know, with, with whoever chooses to read his, uh, his book. And so, you know, that's how it came about. But it was very interesting because my background is in uh, being a psychic and a metaphysical counsellor. So um, I had some kind of idea that, you know, when he passed, I would just be in constant communication with him all the time. Mm -hmm. So you can well imagine I thought, well, that would be great. It won't be so bad kind of him dying, you know, because <laughs> he'll be able to chat all the time. It yeah. Is he won't be able to give me hugs anymore, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, I'm not making light, uh, being lighthearted of a, of a serious situation, but mm -hmm. I just honestly thought we'd be chatting nonstop, continually like we did before. So really I only actually was able to be in contact with him for the days leading up to his funeral and then just sort of a little bit after his funeral. Um, and then he completely disappeared and that was just so shocking because I, I thought, what's happened? Have I lost all my powers and my gifts, you know, as, mm -hmm. a, as a healer and a psychic? And, I mean, obviously some part of me logically knew that he was off doing, you know, healing and, and um, going through whatever process he needed to do. But just having said all that, it was still really shocking that I wasn't able to communicate with him. And so basically... He only came back two years after he died to, you know, to be with me and uh, we spent a few days hanging out together in that sort of psychic energetic space mm -hmm. and, and within that space he was able to share what he had been doing and then towards the end of that uh, kind of time for, uh, that we spent together, he then asked if I would be willing, you know, to write this book for him. Now, at the time I thought, gosh, you know, it felt like a really big ask. Mm -hmm. 
but naturally, you know, I would do anything for him and, um, and obviously I consented to, to writing his book. Okay. So what would you say is the book's main focus? It feels like a love story to me, um, Claire, beautiful love story, but what would you say is the book's main focus? <clears throat> I think that um, it has a lot of um, lots and lots of messages in the book and um, and therefore it will resonate for, di- for people in all sorts of different ways. But generally speaking, I think what he's trying to impress upon us is look at the signposts on the road, you know, of change mm-hmm. and try to surrender to the changes that are possible you know, um, that maybe even the divine is calling us to make as human beings, mm-hmm. you know, and to try to stay present to life and to really be mindful to to actually the choices that you do make in life, not as a threat, you know, because some of those choices will have repercussion, but more about taking real responsibility for how we actually co-create our lives and how we want to live our lives and also how particularly we want to experience our death. Mm. And because how we live our lives, how we experience our death and how we die, meaning do we die with regret? Do we die with feeling unforgiving? Do we die with a lack of compassion for ourselves or others? You know, it does affect our journey in the afterlife and not because God or whoever or the angels or the higher powers will punish us. It has nothing to do with that, but it has to do with a lot to do with the choices that we're going to make in our afterlife. You know, naturally, if we're able to die in that sort of conscious way where we feel compassion, where we can look back in our lives and we have no regrets and we feel that we've opened our heart to forgiving others, you can imagine the ease in which we would be able to kind of shift away from our physical life when our body has died and move into that other sort of space that waits for us in the afterlife. Mm. which is one of healing and love and generosity. Now, if we die, if we're bitter and sort of twisted and feel so regretful and resentful with our lives, then we become a bit stuck, I think, in the afterlife and we're not able to move on. And then what that creates is that um, repetitive cycle of that reincarnation, Mm -hmm. you know, and we're all possibly going to reincarnate, but it'd be good to reincarnate with a different sort of sense of choice in our minds and our hearts, I think, mm-hmm. you know, where we want to continue to achieve more compassion, more kindness, more generosity, and um, um, even more integrity when we live the next life. Well, yes, the the most dangerous thing to the body is is fear. And so, you know, in the in the physical realm, so to take that with us when we we die in that place of fearful contraction and not being open to the grace of life and and the generosity and the kindness that is bestowed upon us mm-hmm. through this physical experience. Um, yeah, yeah. So would you be prepared to read something from your book that would support us to meet not only our own physical death with conscious compassion but the death of our loved ones? Okay, so this um, has taken, this is actually a a reading from uh, the day that my husband died and it's called The Time of My Dying. On the day I died, all lines of energy connecting me to my life, 
my soul and my purpose had somehow manoeuvred me into the final position of surrender. I guess you could say the stars were aligned for my grand exit. I think it was only grand in my heart, more of a heartbreaking drama in the hearts of my loved ones. To be honest, in the end, I was glad. My body was in terrible shape and it was a burden trying to keep it alive. I lasted for as long as I could, but when the time came for me to die, I was really happy to be able to say goodbye and leave with my, my dignity intact and an overwhelming sense of unconditional love in my heart. Saying goodbye was very difficult, but the call from my soul family and my higher self to return to my heavenly home was stronger than my will to live. I was still it was still hard to resist pulling away from divine will and ignoring this call. I did vacillate between feeling absolutely worthy in death to feeling I hadn't done quite enough to prepare for it. I know that Claire felt I was a little distant earlier on in that day. This frightened her deeply as she knew I was slipping away from her. But she also knew she couldn't hold on to me any longer and would have to let me go eventually. Once I overcame this moment of distance, I was able to be fully available for her in the hours leading up to my death. We were as one when she lay beside me in the moments of my death, which provided me with an enormous amount of comfort and reassurance. Her love and ability to let me go supported my surrender to the divine and helped my body accept it was at the end of its journey. Only after I died did I realise that my temporary lapse of presence also had a lot to do with the concentration and focus my soul required before my life ended. My soul, energetically, my soul was energetically responding to the heightened vibration of the etheric worlds that were preparing my way home to spirit. This process in itself is exhausting and the soul often requires deep rest and healing immediately after death leaving some time to recover before the funeral. For me, once I knew that the time was imminent, dying proved the easy part. All I had to do was mindfully breathe until the breath became slower and slower and then it finally stopped. The sensations of energy when your soul is leaving the body are powerful and at the same time gentle. Your spirit guides assist in the process by lifting you out as you ascend from your dying body. Your spirit guardians also help you practice this letting go some days prior to your actual death, and so you become familiar with the experience and it is less disorientating. When I first died, I hovered for some time over my body and waited until one of my daughters arrived to say her goodbyes. Once that process was complete, I felt I was able to expand my energy and psychically visit the rest of my family who had not been present at the time of death. I also made visits of gratitude to the many wonderful people who had helped me during the various stages of my journey with cancer. Then I rested for a while. After a short period of rest and adjustment, I was able to continue to move in and out of the physical world, connect to my body and touch the hearts of the ones who had came to hold vigil over me. I was consistently given healing by my guides to settle my spirit heart and to help me adjust to my new circumstances. The healing energy also assisted me to let go of any residual fragments of emotional energy still attached to my physical body. 
More intense healing was required the night before my funeral, which further helped my soul's detachment from the physical world during the sacred rites of passage that a funeral service provides. Um, you okay there, Sandy? Yes, um, I'm you, fine, though. <laughs> yeah, did you want me to go on to just talk a little bit about the funeral and then that will take us to the end of that passage? Is that okay? Yes, sure, sure. I designed my own funeral before my death. Although I wanted it to celebrate my life, I instinctually knew that it would also help me to bid a final farewell to my old life continue to support my soul in transition and assist in the onward journey. I also believed that a funeral service is the means by which you can officially ask for entrance into the afterlife and beyond. Asking permission was my way of showing respect for the spiritual forces and my soul family who were helping to pave the way for my soul's new trajectory. I knew it was unlikely that I would be turned away from the other worlds. However, the humility to ask is a virtue worth sustaining in death, just as I found out it is equally important to be humble and have respect for self and others in life. One should never assume anything. By the end of my funeral, I was again able to feel a deep sense of unconditional love for myself as Graham, the people that loved me in my life, and to purge the grief about surrendering my physical body unto the earth. It also became clear that each soul is of great significance to the inherent nature of humanity and the universe. At times, I'm still overwhelmed by the infinite grace of the divine and the love bestowed upon all sentient beings. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. There's, a, there's so much in that to kind of... Um, assess and assimilate and kind of like uh to contemplate so so can you you know you have that connection and that metaphysical um ability that psychic ability so can you briefly state um for people that don't have that how could we prepare and support to meet not only our own physical death with conscious compassion, but the death of our loved ones. Um, yes, <clears throat> and I think that um, anybody is very capable of, of doing that. I think it's all about just staying in your heart mm. and not giving way to fear. Mm. And, you know, I know in my circumstances, I'm not saying I never felt afraid that my husband was going to die. I did indeed. But when I was in the space with him, it's as if all fear just was let go of because there was no space for fear. There was only space to experience love. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that that's what we need to be try to be mindful of. And I know that's sometimes difficult because if you're being with someone you love but you still have sort of past issues with them, those kind of issues can come up and they can kind of cloud our mind and sometimes even our judgment. Mm. So in that situation, I think you've just got to trust that you know, you can stay in your heart and actually as you move towards experiencing, say, their death, the death of a loved one, somehow a lot of those issues do just get magically um, resolved, you know. They may suddenly get talked about or they just may be surrendered and just be let go of because the space that is about 
that, that gets created because someone die, is dying. It's amazing what can be let go of in that space. Mm, yes. Does, does that make sense? It's Because we're yes. surrounded by so much sort of love from spirit and they hold such an incredible loving space for forgiveness and for compassion that you can um, be touched by that and therefore you can then hold that heart space when you're with a loved one who may be passing. Yes, and we know that connecting to our hearts um, connects us to that unified field of love consciousness and and everything that's available within the universal field, within the quantum field. And we know that that's just pure love and light that's that's um, within us and all around us. So it it gives us that that grace to be able to be open to surrender because it's almost like there's a there's a living death when we witness someone that's really close to us to mm-hmm. um, trend, to die and transition and, and um, you know, resolve, embody something else rather than the physical being. So it's we also go through our own process and meeting that within ourselves but from a place of still being physically here. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that um, that word grace is the, the, the most, um, yes, yeah, the most appropriate word, I think, because um, in those spaces between life and death, yes, we can also understand the, um, the greatness of the, uh, of the person that might be dying in that they, they might have been their limited self in life, but they are often their greatest self in death or, or potentially can be. Um, because their energy starts expanding and, and there's a realisation in some ways that the knowing that, they're con- that we're all connected to so much more than, than what we're often experiencing in the physical human realm. Thank you, Claire. Okay, lovelies, it's time for us to take a short break. This is Sandy Goldstone and my guest is Claire Sweeney and you are listening to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone on Voice America the 7th Wave channel. Stay tuned and we'll be back. The Voice America 7th Wave channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. Sandy Goldstone wants to help you start your true self journey. Sandy works with all issues and ages for individuals, couples, and groups. She is a spiritual teacher and holistic counselor of the Heart's Way in Perth, Australia. It's time to gift yourself with knowing your own lightness of being, beauty, and truth. You can feel relaxed, loving, wise, joyful, and peaceful, whatever your experiences have been or what challenges you are currently facing. Are you ready? Let's do it. Say yes and call or contact Sandy Goldstone in Australia on 011-61420-399-287 or reach out to her on Facebook at Sandy Grace Goldstone and start your true self journey. Right now, Sandy is offering a special gift. Mention the radio show, Sounds of the Heart, and receive a 40% discount on each of your first two 90-minute Skype sessions. That's just $99 to start your true self journey with Sandy Goldstone. For more information or to receive this special offer, email soundsoftheheart at hotmail.com. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
are listening to the Sounds of the Heart. To find out more about our program, visit Sandy's website at soundsoftheheart.com.au. Again, that's soundsoftheheart.com.au. Now, back to Sounds of the Heart with Sandy Goldstone. And we are back, lovelies, with Sounds of the Heart on the 7th Wave channel of Voice America. And I am your host, Sandy Goldstone, talking with my guest, Claire Sweeney. Now, Claire, as we're going to the break, we were talking about, you know, how to prepare consciously um, for death. And so this subject matter is very close to your heart. So what what felt the most difficult to write about? Um, yes, that's a good question. I mean... When I was approached uh, by my husband to write this book, um, after I got over the initial hiccups, I um, I really then started to really look forward to it because it meant I was hanging out with him all the time while I was writing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but life kind of got in the way. And during the period of uh, writing it, because it took me a number of years to get it com- uh, to finish it, um, I personally experienced many other deaths in my life, mm. um, and which you know I lost my two dogs and my cat, and then my mother died, my stepfather, my brother-in-law, my best friend, you know, and uh, and, a, and a niece. So during the time of writing, I was exposed to a lot of other death experiences. Mm. So in some ways, even though writing it at times was difficult, actually managing all those other things, which is, you know, was calling me back to life, were also quite difficult. Yet they also gave me a wonderful kind of wealth of experience, you know, as I presided over, you know, the death with my mother and my stepfather and also one of my best friends. Um, So that certainly helped with the writing of the book because I feel it helped me hold the space, you know, between life and death um, even more solidly. But in the actual sort of story um, that I've written for my husband, probably the hardest thing to write was my story because there is a small section where I write about myself and my experiences. Um, And that was the hardest to write because I'm actually, even though I look like I'm all sort of um, out there and, you know, happy, smiley, and I am (laughs) am a happy, smiley, you know, friendly person, I'm actually really, really shy and I'm so really, really private I'm a really private person and there's not a lot of people that know, you know, a lot of intimate stuff about me and um, maybe that's a good thing or maybe it's a bad thing. It doesn't really matter. So writing about my story I actually found the most difficult because I really had to, you know, share my vulnerability and Mm -hmm. um, I'm not always good at that. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I'd like to be better at it, but I'm not always good at it. So, but I did get through it. I pushed through it, and um, and I was actually really, really pleased um, that I was able to complete it. Well, when I was reading your um, your personal um, experience, clear, it was deeply, you know, vulnerable in its rawness and and the depth of honesty. It kind of gives you permission to meet that within yourself. So uh, I, I, I know vulnerability is different, is difficult for, for many of us because we feel like we're going to expose ourselves and, and we're going to be unprotected in some way. But I just feel my experiences is that the greater I open up because I'm, I'm like you, I'm very private. I'm quite shy. Um, and, 
you know, that's the the contradiction within, <laughs> within my personality. <laughs> and um, as it is with many of us um, in this line of work. And um, But I've just found that as I have opened up my heart to just be in that place of deep honesty and the vulnerability that arises from that, there is a, there is a certain liberation and an expansion into our lightness of being that arises from that place and we also offer um hope for others that they're not alone in it because so much of the times we think this is just happening to me and that we're in this place of isolation and in reading your experience it's like wow this can guide and assist me when i when i meet this or you know it can assist me to do it differently next time that I meet this. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's been very. I guess it's been beneficial to me to be able to write that story and to yeah. I'm like you. There's a contradiction where I'm completely open and available, and yet I'm actually very shy. And um, yeah, so it's been a great experience to to be able to share that in the book. So can you further share then on how has the writing of this book transformed you and how did this deeply personal experience open you up to meeting yourself and life with greater compassion? <clears throat> I think that through the writing the book, but particularly even writing my story as we get back to that, I, I actually found so much compassion for myself and for being human. Mm. I'm human you know um i also found it um inspired me to keep looking back um into my past and to quite a lot of trauma that i experienced as a child and a teenager <clears throat> and it's not that i was rehashing old territory in a sort of uh, self self-absorbed kind of narcissistic way but it helped me to understand more deeply some of the kind of ways I'd been throughout my life um, which um, were still present when my husband died you know I tend to be tended to be a little bit of a martyr to the cause or um, serve others before I sort of served myself mm -hmm. and, and that's not a bad thing because I believe I'm ultimately here to serve and I love helping people and guiding people and you know, and um, role modelling to people, um, you know, certain ways to be and to behave. But, but most of all, I think I've, it's allowing me to change how I do that in the world. And I think through writing this, I've discovered I can write. And so I'm, you know, switching up the medium in which I want to share information and that would be mainly through writing. And I feel I can serve others in a whole better way. I feel I can be even more present and also because writing this book has helped me to clear some of the um, more challenging obstacles of my past that maybe inhibited me or even limited me, you know, through thoughts of I'm not worthy or I don't deserve to be a writer or whatever those limiting thoughts are, I feel I've let a lot of that go and, um, you know, so I'm very grateful to the information. Um, and obviously more than anything else, it really helped me to um, make peace with Graham, I suppose, if you like, and to really process a lot of my grief about losing someone who I'd been with for 32 years of my life. Yes, because some, you know, some people can feel really angry 
when they're when we're not ready to let someone go and um and feel kind of like left behind and abandoned and our our ideas of what our life was going to look like and sound like and feel like is shattered and we need to find a different way to um move with life and to create another beautiful canvas from that blank space Mm, yes, yeah. so you know it's a, it's a whole new life, I suppose, in in many ways. <clears throat> Not just because of the obvious that he no longer is travelling with me in the physical, but yeah, I've I've something has changed within me, and um, you know, I'm more I'm able to now. Not that I don't feel grief, but um, because the grief has lessened, and I've you know come to terms with feeling abandoned by him, I'm more able to sort of re-enter the world in this kind of new way. And you've definitely had a lot of practice with it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, we're constantly changing and reinventing ourselves, aren't we? Yes. And I think that is the goal for all of us as spiritual warriors, isn't it, is that willingness to, to change and to reinvent yourself and to surrender up the old who old stuff, if you like, that is inhibiting us from becoming our best selves. Yes. So where can our listeners purchase your book Claire? Um, it is available on most online bookstores and you can either purchase it as an ebook or it can be purchased um, as print on demand so that you can get a printed version mailed out to you as well. And the title of that book, Claire's book is Afterlife, A Soul's Journey of Life, Death and Beyond. And yes. how might they contact our listeners contact you for further spiritual guidance and support from the angelic realm if they so desire. Um, my email address is ask at Claire Swinney. So that's C-L-A-I-R-E, Swinney, S-W-I-N-N-E-Y, dot com dot A-U. Beautiful. So what would you say is the overall message of your book, Claire? Um, was I going to read something then? No, I was going to talk a little bit more, wasn't I? <laughs> um, that's up to you. If you'd like to talk and then read us another excerpt from it, that's you're free to do that. Um, no, I'll just chat for a mess for a minute. Um, and yes, yeah, so the overall message I feel is to actually try to live each day as consciously as you possibly can as you move towards the inevitable um, inevitable death that you're going to face at the end of your life, whenever that is. And by being conscious, I, I mean that you try to live life without regret. If you have regret, for example, then you source ways to heal that. If you have issues that are unresolved, like you feel angry towards others or you're unable to forgive and you're able to surrender, then, you know, I think those things need to be attended to well. And that's part of being conscious and being mindful because everything that is sort of not negative but those sorts of things like repressed anger or fear or denial or blame, particularly blame, it holds us back once again from becoming our best selves and plus it kind of potentially taints the quality in which we can experience that end-of-life experience um, and who we're surrounded by with our end-of-life experience and so that we don't have those sort of lonely kisolated
celebrated death, where we've never really felt um, a part of something else, where we felt always separate. And I think also through that mindful practice and being conscious of where you're at and what you're doing, your behaviour, how you treat others, how you, um, <clears throat> you know, create boundaries in your life so that you um, don't allow others to treat you badly, I think that's all part of actually ending this concept also of, of separation, you know, that we are mm. um, one with all that is ultimately and within us we need to find ways to connect to that divine self, which, yes, and as we become stronger with the feeling of being connected to the divinity within, we can become stronger about who we need, who we are and who we need to be in this world um, and what we can expect from this world and what also we're more than able to give this world and all those that live, you know, with us. So forgiveness would have a really important um, role to play in that if we're feeling... Um, victimized in any way or we're carrying stories or experiences of feeling um, fairly unfairly treated and isolated and abandoned and rejected mm -hmm. and really it sounds like it's about a returning home it's giving us an opportunity to really return home to our true nature and to see the light within us and from that big picture to be able to meet with love and compassion and gratitude what it is that life is inviting us to meet. Absolutely, absolutely. So that, yeah, we can live uh, in the truth of who we are right here and, and not waiting to discover what that is after we've died, for example. We can live it here. We can be our highest potentials right here, right now in this life, no matter what the circumstances are we can become, yeah, our best selves, our higher truth and live and love from that space openly and freely. So really there is no need to fear death because it is the physical body that dies but the, the higher self and the soul, you know, the light body that we are continues to just, you know, take on a different form, a different role, a different function and just being one with all that is. Mm, absolutely, yes. And actually a section in the book, um, Graham describes actually how the uh, soul um, and the energy bodies look um, once it's uh, released from the physical body. And so that's actually quite a lovely section to also um, enjoy for readers um, because it's also it's almost like a lovely visualisation. And I think if you can picture, oh, how is it? How does my soul appear? What? How does it do? How does it connect to all the other energy beings? So there's a lovely, lovely um you know, section in the book that describes all that. So that's a good thing, I think, that uh, I think readers will enjoy. Yes, it's very illuminating and very reassuring to kind of have that, that guidance and support and to know that life loves us. You know, that's the kind of the, the reminder of how much we are loved and supported by life and everything that we're connected to as part of being part of that life source and we're deeply guided and supported in each and every moment, whatever our experiences and wherever we are in, in this physical plane or when we're at, at death's door and we're, we're um, departing. Mm. So, Claire, Dal, would you like to read another excerpt from your book? Okay, thank you. Uh, gratitude and letting go. 
At my present moment of consciousness, I have no regrets or resentments about how I lived my life as Graham. However, at the time my life ended, I was still disappointed that I needed to create an illness and my subsequent death to wake up and take responsibility for what I had manifested during my life. I had many opportunities through my life to change and resurrect my faith in the, in the divine and myself. And although there were lots of signposts saying this way, I sadly chose to ignore many of them. However, I am grateful that the cancer empowered me to make changes that I wouldn't have otherwise made. My disease seemed to allow me to feel safe to be my greater self and accept the true nature of my soul. During the final stages of my life, I discovered that surrendering to any process helps your spiritual identity to be revealed with more authenticity. The act of surrender brings a peace and calmness to dealing with hurts and fears. Surrender and acceptance helps you more gently and easily let go of the emotional pain of life-changing experiences. Giving in to what is provides an opportunity to live your human life more instinctually. And once you master how to follow the spiritual nature of your heart, you can participate in the elevation of human consciousness in a more effective way. Choosing to die in a conscious manner also helped me heal my belief that I was separate from the divine. There is no separation. It is the physical body that creates the illusion that humanity is separate from universal consciousness. And as the veil between life and death became thinner, I was able to see beyond that illusion clearly. My self-investigation only came into being because I was faced with a life-threatening disease. Many of you will also be faced with the same type of challenge. Others will have different sorts of challenges that create obstacles in their path. These obstacles help you refine the thoughts and feelings from which you create your reality. They also assist you to consciously question and reaffirm your spiritual faith. Every day you live with this awareness is a day you have begun to prepare for a conscious death experience and establish more soundly your faith in the divine and in the afterlife. I cannot determine what will choose what you will choose when faced with certain challenges. I can only hope that you will find the wisdom and grace to surrender to the lessons to be learned from each experience and what you have to come have to overcome. Know that each life you live has value and holds meaning for those you leave behind and each life also affects the lives you will choose in the future. In every life, your soul is also gathering information it takes back to your soul family after death for re-evaluation and to prepare other soul family members when they choose to hu a human incarnation. I acknowledge your courage for choosing physical life and the hardship that many will suffer during their lives. There is a reason for the existence of humanity and each human life is held in the grateful heart of the Earth Mother and prayed for. No one person deserves love more than another. However, the ability for people to give and receive love does determine how kind, grateful and accepting they are during the course of their lives and how willing they are to help others in the search for their spiritual truth and compassion. Beautiful. Mm. Just gonna just let us just be silent for a little bit and just really drink that in that grace, that surrender, that allowing. 
So one of the things that we most have difficulty with is control, Claire. So um, what is it that you found assisted you to kind of let go that feeling of wanting control and knowing that you had no control? Um, you mean in a situation when my husband was dying? or just Yes. Getting, hmm. um, we had a conversation, my husband and I, and he said to me um, that he'd felt that he was being called back to spirit because mm -hmm. he had other work to do there. Mm -hmm. And he asked me, was I willing to let him go? Because he, he believed that that was his path and it was something that he needed to do. And it was in that moment that naturally I granted him permission. I mean, I couldn't control when he was going to die anyway, but I granted him permission to do that, that he was free to go mm -hmm. um, because I respected him as a human being and trusted in his intuition that he would know what the right thing for him to do was. Um, and therefore, I think that was when I surrendered to the inevitability that he was going to die. Mm -hmm. And the true knowledge that I would never have said no, but if I'd had said no, all that would have done would be hold some level of kind of guilt over him, which would, bring, which would have been terrible, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, and I yeah. think ultimately that is in part what control is. It's, it's holding something over someone else um, <clears throat> and restraining them, which ultimately causes us restriction as well. Yes, and I think that's in any area that, or experience that we have, that we, we either have a deep, loving trust with life and surrender to the natural flow and process of that and whatever's arising for us to meet, or we're in resistance to what is, and that's what creates um, pain and suffering for ourselves and everyone else. Yes. So thank you so much, Claire, for sharing your beautiful book and the the you know, these beautiful truths and these learnings that you have um, experienced through your direct experience. And thank you, lovelies, for your heart's loving presence and for gifting yourself with this opportunity to receive these beautiful messages from the angelic realms via Claire's book, Afterlife, A Soul's Journey of Life, Death and Beyond, opening us up to seeing the bigger picture of our soul's journey through the eyes of divine love and compassion and that which we are always connected to at all times, being part of the love and the light of the oneness of all that is. Next week we will discuss, I will discuss with you, the topic of power, where does it reside and what happens when we are not aligned with the powerful force of our true nature, love. So until our hearts join together as one next week, I invite us all to just take three conscious breaths together.
sending you much love and blessings from my heart to yours. May your week be overflowing with all that you are always now. Love, joy and peace. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Sounds of the Heart. Sandy Goldstone invites you to join her again next Tuesday at 5 p.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Connect to your own divine nature in the coming week and explore within.